As we begin today, we're going to be picking up in Ephesians chapter 5, where we've been now for quite some time. I think we had our first message in Ephesians chapter 5 back in early June. So we are now approaching either our ninth or our tenth message from that chapter, and we've, we've gotten a lot, or at least I have gotten a lot out of that, and I trust that you will as well. But I want to take you now to Ephesians chapter 5, where we reached the critical point in our study of the book of Ephesians when we came to chapter 5 and we made it to verse 18, because it's here that Paul tells us that the key to conducting ourselves as believers, the key to conducting ourselves and our daily lives in a way that is reflective of people who know God is for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the instruction of Ephesians 5.18. And we determine that what Paul meant by that is that we are to be led or we are to be carried along or we are to be thrust forward under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that is to say that it is the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is this leading of the Holy Spirit which causes us to conduct ourselves in a way that we would otherwise not conduct ourselves. Does that make sense? Do you remember that? So as we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we are driven, we are driven by Him to do things that we otherwise would not do. We are driven to thought process. We are driven to actions that we would otherwise not take. That all happens as we are guided by the Holy Spirit. It's His leading that takes us and guides us and it empowers us to exercise self-control and restraint in sexual matters. He empowers us to love selflessly and sacrificially rather than being selfish as we go through our daily lives. And then Paul goes on to tell us some of the things that characterize people who are thrust forward or led by the Holy Spirit. If you ever want to know what it looks like to be someone who is led or filled by the Holy Spirit, Paul wants to make sure that you have the confidence of knowing that you are. He wants to make sure that you're able to identify other people who are also led or filled by the Holy Spirit. And his intent is to tell us then, this is how you will know people who are being driven along under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the very first thing that he tells us that happens is in verse 19 where we found that our right relationship with God and our right attitudes toward God take the form of believers gathering and making noise, singing together and praising God. Did you know that's the very first thing that happens? We begin to develop right relationships with God. And when we have a right relationship with Him, the very first thing that we want to do is to declare His greatness. We want to declare His praise. And so we gather together and we sing to Him and we declare how wonderful He is. We declare His greatness and His wonder to the accompany of instruments and to the accompany of other, to the accompaniment of other people around us singing loudly with all of our hearts to God. And then in verse 20, We found that our hearts become so filled with thanksgiving that we can't contain it. In fact, the heart of the one who has been given our privileged position in Jesus Christ is so filled with thanks that he begins to thank God all the time. He begins to thank God for absolutely everything, knowing that for those of us who serve God, every single circumstance, even those circumstances that we find ourselves in that are really crummy, will have a perfecting work in our lives. Even the things that don't seem good at the time will serve to have a perfecting work in our lives. That's the promise of God according to Scripture. You see, it's in His providence that God will sovereignly take 
not only the good circumstances which we all enjoy so much, but he'll also take the bad circumstances and he will coordinate all of those things to your ultimate benefit. Isn't that impossible to believe? Isn't it hard for you to conceive of that in your own mind that God in his providence will sovereignly take not only the good things that happen but also the bad no matter what they are and he will coordinate them and he will work them together to your ultimate good, to your ultimate benefit. And that, my friends, should give us a great sense of relief. That should give us a great sense of confidence even as we walk through life's most difficult circumstances because we know that they will enable us to give thanks during rough times because God is working them out to our advantage. Do you see? He always will work them out to our advantage. And so because of that, our relationship with God then is characterized by our praising Him. And we begin to praise Him even more. And we begin to thank Him even more at all times. And so now we're praising Him and we're thanking Him in all circumstances, at all times, no matter where we find ourselves in life, because our relationship with Him is right. Does that make sense? And that's what happens, friends, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you are led and thrust along and driven by the Holy Spirit. You have correct attitudes toward God. That's the very first thing that happens. But interestingly, as we made our way through Ephesians chapter 5 and we learned that our attitude toward God is right, interestingly, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, not only does our relationship toward God become right, But friends, listen, our relationships with one another become right. Do you hear that? So not only do our relationships with God become right, but our relationships with one another become right as well. This is very important for us to understand. Because beginning right now in verse 22 and carrying all the way through to the ninth verse of chapter 6, Paul is going to tell us what it looks like for us to have right relationships toward one another. That's what's going to be happening for the next several weeks as we study the book of Ephesians. He's going to tell us what right relationships with one another look like. But before we get to that type of instruction, before we're able to get there, I just want to make sure that we spend enough time here in verse 21 that we're able to build a firm foundation for the instruction that he's going to be giving us in the coming weeks. So I decided to pause here for a little bit, and I thought that we would just spend a little bit of time in verse 21 before we move into that instruction. And the reason is because verse 21 really is a very important transitional verse. It's very important because what it does is it serves as the bridge from instruction on our relationship with God to instruction on our relationships with one another, okay? Very important because it's a springboard that really just launches us into the section of Scripture where we're learning about right relationships with one another. And I know that as I studied verse 21, it began to occur to me that this really is the key to understanding all the instruction that we're going to be getting in the coming weeks. And so we have to make sure that we understand it. Now last week I promised that that we would start talking about husbands and wives submitting to one another. And I actually had one person who told me that she scheduled working at St. Martin's Fair today because they knew that instruction was coming about wives submitting to their husbands, so they made plans to not be here today. And I joked on her because next week when she comes back, that's what she's going to get. So (laughs) just kidding. So I want to talk a little bit about verse 21 because this is going to help us understand everything that's coming down the road. Okay, so I'm going to take you to verse 21, and this is what it says. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Very simple. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want to take a little time to help us understand this concept of submitting to one another. 
because it is so important. You cannot have a right relationship with God. You cannot have a right relationship with other people until you understand the concept of submitting. The word that's translated submitting here is hupotasso. And as a general rule, I think that people are able to understand and we're able to accept the fact that this life, that this world is filled with this hierarchical form of authority, with this hierarchical form of order. And I think we all get that, don't we? I mean, we know that when God created the universe back in Genesis chapter 1, he created order, didn't he? In chapter 1, we found that God created everything. And then what did he say to man? He said, man, it is my plan for you to rule over everything, didn't he? He said, it's my plan for you to rule it all. You're in charge. And so when God created the heavens and the earth, he created it with a hierarchy. And in most functional societies, I think we can all acknowledge that there is a social and there is a familial structure of authority, and we all, as a general rule, are willing to accept that, aren't we? We get that. We understand. For those of you who are in the military, you'll probably remember the very first day that you made it to basic training. I can remember my first day at basic training in Fort Leonard Wood, and as my platoon was making its way across the the post on the cattle truck, uh, and we're getting ready to begin our training, I learned very quickly that I was part of an organization that had a very clear and a very well-defined system of order. I learned that very quickly. You see, I was a new recruit, and so as I was standing on that cattle truck looking at my uniform, and I realized I don't have any stripes or anything on my uniform. And there, when we rolled into basic training, there was a man standing there who had three stripes on his uniform, and he also had one of those brown hats. You know the hat? How many of you are aware of it? He had this brown hat on his head, and he felt very confident that I needed to know that I should get off of his cattle truck and learn that there is a very clear authority that was established over me. He wanted me to be sure that I understood that I was not in charge. I had no stripes. He had three. And so I very quickly learned that I would subject myself to the will of this man. It didn't take me very long because I had been placed under him. And so I voluntarily surrendered my own will to do whatever he wanted of me. You see? I voluntarily decided that I would surrender my own will to do whatever he wanted me to do. And so the entire time that I was there, no matter how I felt about the way he talked to me, no matter what he said about my mother, no matter how rude he was to me, (laughs) they used to say, they can't say anything about your mom, man. It's like, well, I guess they didn't get the memo. They didn't have any problem talking about my mom. But listen, no matter how rude he was to me, I never thought as I was standing there that my own rights were something to be embraced. You see, the whole time I was there, I never once looked the man in the eye and said, you can't talk to me like that. I never once said to him, I have my rights. Do you know why I didn't say that? It's because I had a very well-developed sense of fear. And I knew That if I had chosen to assert myself, if I had chosen to disobey this man, that he probably wasn't going to torture me, he probably wasn't going to kill me, but I really did not want to find out what the consequences would be. And so I listened. 
And so I subjected myself to him. So out of fear, out of reverence, out of respect for this man and his loud voice and his position, I willingly gave up my desire to sleep in late and wake up and watch TV for a few hours so that I could get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and start doing calisthenics. I did that willingly because I understood that there was a hierarchy And so I chose to subject myself to him. I chose to make myself subordinate to him. I chose to surrender my own will and my own rights to do the things that this man with three stripes and a brown hat wanted me to do. That's what it means to be hupotasso. You see? That's hupotasso. Literally, the word means to place under. It means to place under. It is to choose to subject myself or to allow myself to be subdued. It is to choose to allow myself to be obedient to someone else's rule, even if it means surrendering my own will and my own rights. Does that make sense? And I think there are certain contexts where that seems fitting, doesn't it? There are certain contexts in which that certainly seems appropriate. And I think one of those Context is basic training, as I just described it to you a few moments ago. So if you're in the military, it's probably in your best interest to submit yourself or to place yourself under the person who's directing you, isn't it? I think we get that. But I want you to know that's also true of your workplace. Did you know that? It's also true in your workplace. It is appropriate for you to place yourself under and to be subjected to and to surrender your will to the manager or the supervisor that is in charge of you. That's appropriate for you to do. You may not like it, but we understand that. We understand that I have a boss. I understand that I have to subject myself to him. We know that's the right thing to do, don't we? I don't think anybody would argue that. But I want you to know that it's also fitting for you to subject yourself to your civic leaders. Did you know that? Take a look at Romans 13.1. This is what Paul says. Paul says, let every person be subject to what? To the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So I may not like my civic leaders. I may not like the people who are in charge of my government, but I must subject myself to them. Paul says they don't bear the sword in vain, which is to say, if I choose to refuse to subject myself to the laws of our civic leaders, I can expect to be punished, can't I? And rightly so, I should be. There's another context in which it seems fitting to subject ourselves, and that's in church leadership. The author of uh, the book of Hebrews said this in chapter 13, verse 7. He says, remember your leaders, and it, it makes me want to say, what do you mean, Paul? Remember your leaders? Well, what do you mean? Who are my leaders? Well, they are those who spoke to you the word of God. So who are those leaders who spoke to you the word of God? They are those who are your pastors, do you see? Those who speak the word of God to you. They are those who teach you. They are those who instruct you and who, are, and who train you. They are not the false teachers. They are not the phonies, but they are those who teach you the word of God properly. They are not those who are the purveyors of false doctrine, but your pastors and your leaders who spoke what? What does the verse say? They spoke the word of God. Do you see? 
They are those who spoke the word of God. They didn't speak their own opinions. They didn't speak their own traditions, but they spoke the word of God and they explained it so that you could apply it to your lives. We don't sit under the instruction of people who are speaking a popularized, touchy-feely message. We don't sit under the instruction of people who make up whatever they want to make up. We sit under the leaders who speak and properly handle the word of God. That's who you are to submit yourselves to. Those are your pastors. Those are your children's pastors. Those are your youth pastors. And what does the author of Hebrews say about them? Take a look at verse 17. Now listen, he says, obey your leaders and do what? And submit to them. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we gladly submit to, we gladly obey the instruction of our leaders, don't we? I mean, we don't want to go around whining and complaining and moaning. We joyfully submit to those who are in leadership over us because, after all, if they are going to give an account for watching over your very souls, you would want that to be a positive and a joyful time of reflection before God accounting for you, wouldn't you? But for those who are pastors, I want you to hear me say this. If you are to give account for those people to whom you have instructed, you need to understand the gravity of that command. You need to understand the responsibility that is. You need to understand how serious it is, how serious a matter it is for you to give account for the very souls of the people who sit under your instruction. So we can appreciate the instruction of pastors, and we can learn to submit to them. We can understand that we need to subject ourselves to our employers. We can understand that we need to subject ourselves to our our civic leaders and our government, and even some of our pastors and, and some of our spiritual leaders. But even though that is very clearly scriptural, and even though that is very true, and, and, and even though our passage today would support that, I want you to understand that this verse in Ephesians 5.21 takes it even a step further than that. It's easy for me to obey my civic leaders. It's easy for me to obey my boss. It might be easy for me to submit to my pastor, but our verse today says that we have to go even farther than that. And to whom is it that Paul says we have to submit ourselves? Take a look again at verse 21. Follow along. It says, submitting to whom? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit ourselves. We choose, listen, we choose to make ourselves subordinate to, do you see? We choose to make ourselves subordinate to, we choose to give up our own rights and our own will, and who do we give those up to? To one another, do you see? So we do that deliberately and we give it up to one another. Scott, you mean to tell me that I have to subordinate myself to that guy over there? Do you have any idea what kind of a hypocrite that guy is? Do you have any idea what a simpleton he is? How can I ever subordinate myself to that guy over there? I have zero respect for him. I think that's what Paul is saying here. Paul says that we have to see ourselves as subordinate to even that guy. We have to see ourselves as subject to even that guy. In fact, not only should I see myself as subordinate to him, but let me take you to Philippians 2.3, and this is what Paul says there. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but what? But in humility do what? Consider others better than yourselves. 
So I literally have to think of that guy who is such a simpleton, that guy who is such a hypocrite as even better than I am. So I'm even lower than that guy. I'm lower than everyone else. Do you see? You see, it's easy for us to subject ourselves and to submit to those people who are in a position of authority or leadership over us. That's not tough, is it? I mean, everybody can do that. Even people who don't know God do that. But where it gets difficult is when it's time for me to make myself subordinate to people who may not know as much about the Word of God as I do. It becomes a little bit more difficult when I have to subordinate myself to somebody that I don't think is as smart as I am. It becomes difficult when I have to subject myself to someone who doesn't make as much money as I do. It becomes difficult for me to see myself as subject to someone who doesn't have as nice a home as I have. How in the world can I see him as higher than I am? I'm better than him. I've got a better education. I've got a better job. I've got a better home. I drive a nicer car, and yet I'm supposed to subordinate myself to him. How can I see myself as lower than someone who, through the lenses of social norms and standards, is clearly not as elevated as I am? Friends, I'm going to tell you that until we are able to command that concept, until you're able to get yourself there, you are never going to be able to have right relationships with one another. You just can't. That is what Paul is going to require of us moving forward. That's why it's so important for us to pause here this morning. You see, the key to right relationships is learning how to see yourself as lower than everyone else. The key to right relationships is learning how to see yourself as subject and subordinate to other people. And when you are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, when you are truly thrust forward by the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that there will develop in you a deep sense of humility which is going to enable you to love, is going to enable you to sacrifice in a way that seeks the good of even those people who aren't as smart as you over your own. Enables you to subordinate yourselves to others who may not be as advanced socially as you. It allows you to subordinate yourself to people who may not be as spiritually advanced as you are. They may not be as sharp as you are, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit at working in you that makes you able to submit yourself to even that lowly person. See, this is what makes Paul's instruction here so counterintuitive. I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say to you. This is not at all what tradition would have us believe about the Holy Spirit. Traditionally speaking, when I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm elevated, right? When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I exercise gifts and I I showcase all the spiritual talent which makes me appear to be on a higher plane spiritually than everyone else. I'm way better than everyone else because I do this or because I do that. But I want you to know that that is counterintuitive to the instruction of Scripture. Self-elevation is not consistent with Paul's teaching on the Holy Spirit. It just isn't. We don't elevate ourselves because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's the exact opposite of what Paul teaches. Paul says that one proof that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit is that I see myself as lower than everyone else. I see myself as more lowly than everyone else, not higher than everyone else. You see, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I submit myself, I subordinate myself to other people. I subordinate myself to everyone else in the body. I don't elevate myself, and I don't elevate my own spirituality and begin to speak over the top of everyone else. I am subordinate to them. I am lower than them. 
You cannot build the kind of relationship Paul wants from you until you understand that concept. But listen, when two people are filled with the Holy Spirit and they develop this sense of humility, and this type of humility begins to manifest itself in both of their lives at the same time, I want you to know that they will develop the desire to seek the benefit and the pleasure of other people before themselves. Do you see? And what's going to happen then is it's going to build in them the desire to submit to one another because it sees the other person's desires and of the other person's needs as more valuable than mine. So I begin to submit myself to that person and he in turn begins to submit himself to me. And so it develops in them this sense that everyone else is above them. Do you see? And as that begins to develop, may I suggest to you that if a relationship exists between two people who are mutually sacrificial and who are are mutually submissive toward one another, it would be absolutely impossible for that relationship to fail. You see, the reason that relationships fail is because people, people fail to recognize others and the desires of others as higher than themselves. That's what it is. For that reason, it's impossible for them to subordinate their will. It's impossible for them to be submissive to the other person because their desires are not higher than my own. Do you see? And so submission... And the ability to subject myself is lost. I mean, from a human standpoint, isn't it impossible for me to put myself under someone that I see as lower than me? How do I put myself beneath someone who's lower than I am? And so then it becomes impossible to subordinate myself to them. It becomes impossible for me to submit to them. It's impossible for me to submit my will to theirs and to their desires. But I want you to know, that even though you're able to submit to some extent to those people for whom you have reverence and deep respect and a great sense of admiration, that's, that's easy enough. You see, if you have a great admiration and a deep respect for your manager, your government leader, or your pastor, it's probably going to be a lot easier for you to submit to him than it would be for a manager or a civic leader or pastor for whom you have no respect, isn't it? But even that deep respect... Even that deep admiration which you feel might lead you to be submissive to that leader, I want you to know that's very, very fickle. You see, the moment my pastor says something I don't agree with, the moment he says something I don't like, the moment he fails to support a particular ministry that I'm passionate about to the extent that I think he should, then I lose a great deal of respect for him, and it becomes very difficult for me to subject myself to him any longer. I find it difficult to take his instructions seriously. I begin to find flaws in everything he says. I begin to find flaws in his character. Do you know why? It's because your respect for him wasn't real to begin with. It was fickle to begin with. Because it was based on what you got out of it. The first time my manager makes a decision at work that may not go the way that I want it to, the very first time that he does something that may not be beneficial for me, then all of a sudden I feel like I've lost respect for him. And I can tell you that as a manager... This is a very, very clear red flag to me because an employee who feels a loss of respect for his manager will find it very difficult to submit to his leadership. And he'll be a cancer. And he'll spread that to everyone else that works with him. You see, you need to understand that this is true of every single earthly relationship you will ever have. This is true of every relationship you will ever have. The moment that your teenager loses respect for his teacher, he will no longer have a willingness to submit to him. He'll become disruptive in class. The quality of his work in that particular subject will probably begin to slide. He may stop putting forth the same effort because he's developing an inability to submit to that person. You see? 
but for believers who are filled with, for believers who are thrust forward by the Holy Spirit, things are different. Things are to be very different for you. You see, our ability, the believer's ability, the ability of the one who is filled by the Holy Spirit to submit is not fickle because it is not birthed from a reverence or a deep respect or a great admiration for the one to whom they subject themselves. Do you see? It's not because I respect you that I subject myself to you. It's not because I think you're wonderful that I submit myself to you. My ability to submit is not that fickle because it does not come out of my respect for you. It is a submission that is rooted in my reverence for Jesus Christ. Take a look at verse 21 again because that's what Paul is telling us. He says, submitting to one another. How? Out of deep reverence for whom? For Jesus Christ. We submit out of our reverence for Jesus Christ. He's saying that all of the relationships that he's about to share with us in the coming weeks are only possible as we learn to submit to one another, not because of any particular merit that any one of us has, not because any one of you are deserving of reverence, not because any one of you are deserving of respect, not because any one of you are deserving of admiration, but because of your love and your reverence and your respect and your admiration for Jesus Christ. That's why you submit to one another. See, there are times when your manager, there are times when your government leaders, and there are times that even your pastors are going to do things that cause you to lose a degree of respect and admiration for them. I just want you to know that that's true. But because your submission to them is not contingent on your respect for them, it shouldn't impact you at all. Do you see? Because your submission to them is based on your reverence for Christ. And so you go ahead and you submit to them anyway. You see, it's that same reverence for Christ that is your basis for submitting to one another in the church body as well. That's how you can submit to the one that you feel from a social standpoint, from a social perspective, is lower than you. Right? That's how you do it. It's not because of your respect or reverence for that person. It's because of your respect and reverence for Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ has commanded your reverence. You see, if your submission to others was based on their merit... It would be very fickle, wouldn't it? If your submission to other people was based on their own inherent good, it would be very, very fickle. And the moment they did something you didn't like, you'd be right in not sharing reverence or awe or submission with them at all. But even the believers right here in this room can give us a reason to lose respect for them, and we can still submit to them. Do you understand? Because it's not based on their merit. It's based on the merit of Jesus Christ. Do you know that sometimes even your pastor says wrong things? Do you know that sometimes even your pastor has attitudes that aren't best? Do you know that sometimes even your pastor makes mistakes and everybody said, Amen, that's right. It's true. And if your willingness to submit to your pastors, your managers, your government leaders, your parents, your husbands, your wives, your teachers, anyone else in your life was based solely on their own merit, you would not be able to do it. But because it is based on the merit of Jesus Christ, you must submit yourselves to them. Because Jesus Christ is different, you see? He radiates the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God, according to Hebrews 1.3, and He will never change. Did you know that? Hebrews 13.8 says what? Jesus Christ is what? The same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. That's right. He's the same. 
He never changes. He will continually radiate the exact imprint of the glory and the nature of God because He never changes. People change. People change all of the time. People make mistakes, but Christ always has and always will radiate the exact nature of God. He is unchanging. And for His sake, for the sake of His unchanging greatness, for the sake of your own depravity, can you see yourselves as lowly? Can you see yourselves as lower than other people around you? When you reach the point that you are able to see yourself in light of the perfection and the glory of God as it is radiated in the person of Jesus Christ, you will be humbled and you will be broken by your own sinfulness. Friends, I want you to know that when you're broken over your own sinfulness, you will become contrite and you will become humble and then it becomes easy for you to to see others as better than you. As higher than you. Do you see that? Once you've come to the place where you're able to understand that, once you've come to the place where you're able to see yourselves as subject to even the people in this room that you may think don't deserve it, once you have come to that place, and once you have come to terms with your own imperfection, it's going to be easy for you to submit to everyone else and to subordinate yourself to everyone else. And at that point, you're finally ready to have right relationships with other people. But not until. And we're going to talk about that next week. Father, I thank You for Your kindness. I thank You for Your mercy and for Your grace that takes a sinner like me and extends forgiveness. And I thank You that You've restored even me to fellowship with with the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that You would develop in our hearts as we are filled by the Holy Spirit and thrust forward by Him and driven by Him this sense of humility where each person in this room realizes the depths of their sinful condition as it compares to the glory and the beauty of God radiated through the imprint of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I just pray that You would help us to humble ourselves as we look at your greatness that our hearts would be filled with love and compassion for the other people in this room for the people of this world who also serve in your family Lord that you would teach us to submit ourselves and to subordinate ourselves to everyone keeping with the clear instruction of your scripture so that our relationships with them can be right and in turn our relationship with you can be right so God I thank you for all that you've done for us I thank you for your mercy and I thank you that you've overlooked all of my sin and that you've washed it in the blood of Jesus Christ and that you've done that for every person in this room who believes in you And now, Lord, fill us with a love and fill us with compassion and a willingness to submit to one another, we pray in Jesus' name.